0: Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospect Podcast. I'm Joe DeLeon, joined by Ryan Roberts. And we have the official list of players that were invited to the 2022 NFL Combine. And as you might imagine, we were a bit disappointed with some snubs for some guys that should have been invited. We're going to dive into that, talking about some of those players that we think should have received that invitation, as well as some of the guys that we're going to be paying attention to or headlines that we're going to to be looking forward to at this year's combine ryan
1: how are we doing today on this fine thursday when we're recording good man i'm not on my deathbed anymore and i'm 11 (laughs) pounds lighter so all good um yeah i hope nobody gets the uh, bug that's going around at least in my neighborhood it was uh it was awful for a few days but i'm alive so we're good to go
0: as someone who's currently trying to cut because it's cutting season, I envy the fact that you could say that you just rapidly lost
1: <laughs> eleven pounds. It, it, it was not the idea it was not the ideal way to lose I eleven know. pounds. But
0: <laughs> it is a method. It is a way to do it. Um sure. not dwelling on that too much, Ryan, because I'm sure that was traumatizing to to deal with, but um, this combine group, though, uh, you and we got the list. The first thing you came to me in our Twitter chat, you said, like, we got to talk about these snubs because there's some pretty, pretty interesting ones that you brought to my attention. And I want to hit on the first one because this is one that I tweeted about. It was one that I talked about on the FCS show. And I, it, it's really shocking that Aquil Glass from Alabama AM did not get the invite to the NFL combine. Um, in my opinion, I'm shocked that he didn't get it. And Cole Kelly did the Southeastern Louisiana quarterback, Um, mm-hmm. but it, it's pretty odd to not see glass's name on this list.
1: Well, not even comparing directly to Cole Kelly. Cause I mean, Cole Kelly, you know, he was a fine player on the level as well. And he was a guy that made it to the NFL PA bowl, similarly to glass. It's just that layer of it kind of really stands out to me because it's not a great quarterback class. We've been very vocal with that. So having a guy like a glass, who's, out of Alabama AM, who kind of hits a lot of the thresholds. You know, he's right near six foot four, two hundred and twenty-six pounds. He has good hand size and he kind of hits all the, the physical thresholds. 37 touchdowns to six interceptions this past year for Alabama AM. Obviously, he was a really good player for multiple years there, a four-year starter for Alabama A&M. So highly decorated, highly acclaimed out of the HBCU program. Was expecting him to get the invite because, like I said, he was a he was at the NFLPA bowl, so he was you know considered one of the top senior quarterbacks in the class, at least you know relative to what the other games were. So, was expecting it. I wanted to see just him there because I think that he's, and I've been talking about him for a couple of years now, Joe. Like I think he's a draftable quarterback. I don't think that obviously he's not going to be a guy that's going to be a starting quarterback down the road. But if a glass is a guy that just sticks around in the NFL for six, seven years as a back backup, you know, down the line, I'd be like, yeah, I believe it. And he's a guy that might even be a, a dude that you'll look over a little bit and just say like, wow, I didn't know he lasted that long, but he did because he just has so many of the intangible factors that you really like. I, I find it hard to believe why he would not get an invite. I, I'm just more, gonna say sad, but I'm disappointed for him because he's a he's a really smart, good young man who had a great career, played in the NFL PA bowl. Like I, I feel like he deserved that opportunity. Unfortunately he did not get it. So
0: right. He's somebody who seems to get a a, a lot of positive attention um mm-hmm. from a number of different analysts too that are aware of him. And it's it is a bit striking that he doesn't get the invite. And kind of like you're saying, Glass feels like one of those players that we're going to be saying to ourselves, "Why didn't he get invited to the to the combine?" And and maybe right. in a few years from now, he has like career backup, like quality backup for a long period of time written all over him. So I mean, yep. hoping for the best for Glass. I'm I'm sure that that opportunity might change for him, and this isn't going to be his his final opportunity to prove himself. But one other one though that. This one's really shocking, and I didn't even know that he wasn't invited because you look at the list of names and it's, it's easy to overlook some of them and not even think of guys. But Jareth Stearns, who was a transfer from Houston Baptist, went to Western Kentucky, uh, was a part of Bailey Zappi's historic season statistically, and he himself put up some really stupid numbers. I believe he led in a number of receiving categories this past year he also there was some clips circulating i think he was at the was he at the shrine bowl this year that he was at at the shrine game man shrine bowl and there was all these clips of him looking really good i I don't know how he didn't get the invite over some of these other receivers
1: yeah it's really weird from a lot of different layers one, like you said, he was from Houston Baptist with Zappi, came over during the transfer, was a really good player for Houston Baptist, and then he led college football in yeah. receiving this year. We're talking about Cooper Cup. He basically had <laughs> Cooper Cup's numbers on the college level. I mean, he was right uh, right uh, south of 2,000 yards receiving and had 100 and whatever catches he had, and he was a dynamic player for Western Kentucky so that layer of it alone, like I would have liked to see him just based upon the production that he had. Right. And then you said like, I mean, East West Ryan invite, and then he doesn't get the combine invite. That's not, many, not that doesn't happen very often. <laughs> like no. that's, that's, that's an anomaly to a degree. And I understand that there's, you know, obviously some people are going to be like, he's five, seven and whatever he is. And 183 pounds. He's a smaller guy for sure. But another stat I saw was he led all college football this year in yards after catch. So for me, Seeing what type of athlete that kid is, because obviously he's not a big guy. So if you the if the yak ability is going to translate, it's going to have to be somewhat as an athlete or as a route runner. So you want to see him in space. How does he move a little bit? You know, does he have any any second gear? Is he a guy that short short shuttle and three cone or off the charts? And he's that short area explosive guy. There's got to be a reason for it. But at least you want to see the leading receiver in college football up close and personal and see if it's real or not. It's, it honestly just doesn't make any sense from multiple layers. Even if you think that the production's a little overstated at of Western Kentucky, maybe he's not quite the NFL prospect that his college production would dictate. That's fine. But don't we want to see him in person to see that? Because I thought at the East West, like you said, there were some, I thought he had a good performance. I thought he was a tough cover all week. He had a good performance there out in Las Vegas. I'm very surprised. This is probably number one on the list where I was like, wow, that's really odd that he did not get an invite because I felt like just the resume on top of one another I felt like it dictated at least him to get an invitation to at least test himself and show what type of athlete he is. Yeah. And it's
0: not like we're talking about a guy coming from like a Presbyterian small FCS that had stupid statistical numbers and isn't a very good athlete. Like this is a good football player. And again, probably going to be a guy that sticks on a roster and does some really good things for a, a team that needs a, an ancillary receiver like him. I, I He's probably going to end up slipping through the cracks because of it.
1: And, and he's and he comes from a football family too. I know, like, right. well, I don't harp on that too much, but his, his, it was actually his younger brother, Caden Stearns, was drafted last year by the Minnesota Vikings, I believe, yeah. right? So, like, he also has like the lineage part of the conversation too. So, like, there's just a lot of layers. I'm like, why is this guy not getting at least just a look? Like, I'm not saying like, oh, definite draftable type of player, but. He's not going to be able to go to the combine when you're the leading receiver in college football. Your, your, young, your brother just got drafted in the NFL last year. You're an East-West Shrine invite, and you just went from Houston Baptist where you were a really productive player and then transferred up to the FBS level, and we're still incredibly productive. I'm just There's just something that's just missing the mark on that one.
0: There might not be as much to bet on right now because we don't have football going on. All we have is the Super Bowl, and I know you can't bet on the Senior Bowl, but you can still make some of these other sports interesting Like basketball, like hockey. I know that I have to do that to make it a little bit more exciting for me because it's just not the same as football. With the new year comes a new updated desktop and mobile website for Bet Online for you to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code BELIEVE to get started. And it's not just football, Bet Online's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Bet online, where the game starts. Also, I have to tell you folks about Masterworks. What I'm about to say might shock you, but the greatest quarterback of all time is not just a goat on the field, he's a goat when it comes to investing, too. He invests in stocks, crypto, and even art. Now you can invest like a goat with Masterworks. Masterworks is the investing platform that lets you buy shares representing investments in art from icons like Picasso, Monet, and Warhol. And even greater art prices outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% from 1992 and 2021. In fact, early investors already received over 30% IRR 2021 and 2020 from the sale of two paintings. This is your opportunity to join 300,000 other members and invest like a goat. Get priority access with this game day promo. Go to masterworks.art/slash believe. That's masterworks.art/slash believe. See important disclosures at masterworks.io/disclaimer. Lastly, what's more important than peace of mind? Nothing, and that's what NordVPN is here for—to give you peace of mind while you are online and with all of the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you can never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com believe or use code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also, it's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Ironically, we have another transfer from an FCS program from Montana to Nebraska, Samori Torre, another guy that's wide receiver. He also does not get the invite, and he was clearly this past year the best receiver on that Nebraska football team. Um, I believe he went also to one of the bigger bowl games that he participated in for the the all-star events i forget which one it was off top of my head i'm gonna look in a second if if you don't know ryan but he is also a very odd one because we we know that he's a good athlete and he he would fit seemingly on on a lot of teams rosters
1: yeah yeah i can't remember if it was east west or nflpa but i think he was definitely on one of the top one of the second or third top you know games of of the uh cycle to is a weird one man because he he's the same way man like he dominated montana and un- yeah, at, was the, at it Montana, was it was, it was at Shrine. Okay, so he was at Shrine, and he so he dominated the University of Montana when they had a, another good wide receiver named Sa- Sa- uh, Samuel Ackham, who's a, who's a, in the draft as well. And he was the best receiver on that team. Was one of the best receivers in college football a couple years ago on the FCS level. He transfers up to Nebraska after everything that's going on, and people are you know obviously with COVID shutdowns and all that type of stuff. He takes an opportunity to go to Nebraska. And he's the best receiver on Nebraska. And unlike Jared Stearns, he's a six-foot-plus receiver. Like, he's not a small guy, right? Like, he has a little bit of length to him. He's a guy that transferred up, had a really good showing, um, obviously, this year at Nebraska, was an East-West Shrine invite. Just very confused on why he didn't get his opportunity because I feel like, again, a guy that's proven everywhere he's been so far that he is a caliber of athlete to dictate that opportunity. And, unfortunately, he's another guy that will not be in Indianapolis soon.
0: Yeah, shame to see another one of those guys who was able to create a a bigger um, impression of him going to a bigger program, still not getting that recognition and the invite to the NFL Combine. Brock Hoffman, we know, who has a very interesting story coming from Coastal Carolina, ends up going to Virginia Tech, um, has all this time to now prove himself after having to sit out the year like we all recall happening to him. But he, he had another player here not getting the invite. Uh it seems a bit odd that Hoffman with that name recognition is not a part of this group.
1: Another East West Shrine guy. I did not get the invite. I just there must be not, a lot of
0: hate for the shrine gamers.
1: <laughs> they, they hate Eric Alco out here, apparently. But uh well now it's it is weird though, man. Not only is a third straight East West Shrine invite, but also all th- well, actually, I'm sorry. We talked about a quill glass to start. So Stearns to Ray. And now Brock Hoffman, all three of those guys were on FCS programs and transferred up because Coastal Carolina was an FCS program still at the time when Hoffman transferred over to Virginia Tech. So a couple comparisons there. Hoffman has been a a starting center now for the last couple years for Virginia Tech. He's a big physical dude, 6'3", 300-plus pounds. Finisher is the word that you describe for Brock Hoffman. He actually played, I believe, guard when he was at Coastal, maybe even some tackle if I remember correctly. So he was definitely not a center, though. When he was at Coastal Carolina, he transfers over to Virginia Tech. He eventually finds his his spot inside. So a guy that's played multiple positions on the college level, and he was a good center for Virginia Tech. Man, good solid film finisher. Thresholds, you know, solid enough in in all areas. Not a flashy athlete, but I figure in this class where Tyler Linderbaum and then a huge drop off to like. Cam Jurgens, Alex Lin, Alec Lindstroms, like Donovan Wests, Nick Ford's, like there's not a lot of really good center depth in this class. I'm actually shocked that he is not invited because I just think that just by default, he's going to be one of these high floor type of centers in this class because honestly there just isn't that many names in this class. And Hoffman for me has been a consistent good center in an ACC team for the for an SC, ACC team. Excuse me. In Virginia Tech over the last couple of years, it's just a very odd situation that he did not get his invite because I feel like this center class just would dictate him at least getting an opportunity.
0: That lack of good centers in this draft makes this all the more odd that he's he's not amongst this group. The, the last one that you picked is really <laughs> perplexing to me that Reed Blankenship, the defensive back from Middle Tennessee, is not amongst the people invited because it feels like we've been talking about Blankenship For three, four years now, and we've been hyping him up, and and a lot of people have been discussing how he's this gem and he's a quality player. He might not be some elite prospect, but he's still a big name recognition guy, and he doesn't receive the nod despite that.
1: Yeah, they had another safety a few years ago. Javante Moffitt, who was a good player, and I think he lasted on the Browns for a couple years. And I remember when Moffitt was a senior, Blankenship was a junior, and Blankenship just tore it up um, with Mo- Moffitt, and he um, he had a dynamic season because I think Moffitt got hurt after the first few games, and he kind of became the leader in the clubhouse for Middle Tennessee at safety. And now for three years, he's been draft eligible because he was actually a senior last year, took the COVID year. I think he's a 60-year kid, if I remember correctly, and he's literally been draft eligible for multiple years, and he's been a guy that I feel like we've been talking about since the 2020 cycle, that potentially being a part of it. And there some people that have been big fans of him, man. Like, not even from a true free safety type where he could play some center field and play deep zones. But some people I, I talked to before said, like, oh, some teams might like him with his length and athleticism as a press corner at the next level. Like, he might be able to even play a little bit outside. So, there's been fans. And I know he's dealt with some injuries but like I don't really understand this one because like you hear you hear some reports on the back end about like some character stuff and whatever. But like I, I, none of that stuff has ever been proven, so it's pure speculation. So just a guy that's been on you know on the mind for a while, kind of wild. Because I mean, if you would have told me last year that he you know that he wouldn't be invited to a combine, I would have called you crazy because I I was a I was under the impression that going into last cycle this kid could be a mid-round pick. And now, just a year later, we're sitting here and he doesn't even have a combine invite, which is pretty cr- pretty crazy to think about how things change so quickly.
0: Yeah, and it's not like he had some crazy drop-off in performance. Like, this is a guy that we've recognized and we've talked about for, again, what it feels like for four years at this point. But it's uh, super weird not seeing Reed Blankenship amongst that, amongst that group. Yeah. Ryan, hitting into... Some of the headlines, and some of the things that we're going to be looking forward to at the combine, I, I'm kind of got a giggle reading through the notes and what you put down. Um, yeah, that the first thing you're looking for is Aiden Hutchinson's mythical three cone. So there's uh, <laughs> this speculation that it's where that number is going to be. So, we, we care to elaborate on uh, on what exactly that that conspiracy is?
1: I love to, man. I love to. Uh, so first and foremost, draft Twitter always goes absolutely. Ape shit. Can I say ape shit on here? They go ape shit, man. Go for it. For okay. I'm gonna say ape shit one more time because it's just fun to say. They go <laughs> ape shit every single year when Bruce Feldman puts out his freaks list. And I love Feldman's freak list over the athletic. Like it's one of my favorite pieces every single year. Usually I think it's like a top 50, and I think he did like hundred players last year. Um, just diving into like some of their testing numbers and weight room numbers. It's it's an awesome piece, man. But some people like Really fall for this stuff sometimes, and sometimes I'm just like, "Eh, those numbers. I don't know about that one, man. Like, I'm not sure. And we saw. I think Aiden Hutchinson was number one on Feldman's Freak last last year, and he had like some of the testing numbers I completely believe. It was like the 40 times, and if you watch Aiden hutchinson's like he is incredibly explosive, linear player. So I'm like, he's gonna run a fast 40. I'm sure he's gonna jump a good vertical, broad jump, like all that stuff. I'm like, cool. On film, though. And I don't know, I guess this is a hot take still. I don't think he's the most flexible guy of all time. Like, I don't think he's got great bend in his ankle, and I don't think he changes direction all that great. So when I saw this three-cone that Bruce Spellman put on the list, I remember it was six, five, seven, I believe, a three-cone, which that's like a defensive back number, man. Like that yeah. that's a wide receiver number. That's a silly, silly number for a defensive end. I I saw Kent Lee Platt, who does the RAS stuff, the relative athletic score, which I know we're going to do some stuff with down the stretch here. He posted just like a mock of like if those numbers were true. And that would be the fastest three cone ever by a defensive end in history of recorded stats for the the testing. And I can't believe that. I can't fathom it because, one – I mean, it's an outlier, right? Because that's the only time that's ever going to happen. But also, too, I don't think that matches the film. Like, I don't, I don't see Aiden Hutchinson being this historic tester in the three cone. Because I still, I see some some tightness in his ankles and his hips. So, I want to see the mythical three cone because I just want to see if it's actually true. Because I have some hesitation and I have some reservations that that number is a little fixed at the uh, at the Michigan Athletic Building.
0: So to peel back the the curtain a little bit, um, for those who might be new to the show, I was a college long snapper at the Division One level, and th- so wait, that number you're referring to that came F- from his FCS ju- level, FCS, F- FCS. F- FCS, FCS, okay. Not, Thanks not, for yeah. clarifying. No. <laughs> th- that that three cone drill was uh, was from his his junior testing, correct?
1: No, I don't even know if it was junior testing. It was from the Michigan uh, right. off season testing, so I don't even know if right. it was junior day.
0: So yeah. to 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 peel back the if it was that to feel back where this is coming from so when you're going into your when you're in the off-season programming and you're doing your 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 strength training your your conditioning and all that stuff before spring ball at the very end of it all of these schools will do athletic testing because they want to see what progress you've made all of that stuff now there are instances where where you do have scouts come in on a separate occasion to get that information but more often than not, those numbers that they're collecting, they're not actually doing the testing. They're getting it from the school. So uh, a funny story from when I was, I think it was when I was a sophomore, we had a running back named Harold Cooper. And uh, do you, I don't know if, you, if that name rings a bell with you, Ryan, at all, but there was possible speculation that he might make it to the next level and, and stuff like that. So that when we were testing our 40s, you know, everybody ran one. And it, for most people, the coaches didn't really care. But for Coop... They kept retesting him until they got him at a four three eight. Like a couple of the times they tested him at it was like a like a four six, uh, like a four five, and then suddenly there was one that was of like a, a sub four four. So my point here is I don't know how reliable that information is. So I it's po- I'm not trying to discredit them or anything. It's possible that maybe he comes close to it, which would be insane. It doesn't really show that on tape, but more often than not, those numbers are usually not that accurate.
1: Right, so uh, just a little hesitation on taking that as the gospel because there were a lot of numbers in that piece, uh-huh. especially for Hutchinson's side of things where I'm like, okay, I could see that, but, like, man, I like, I just don't want to say that. I don't think that people yeah. truly understand what, like, How a 6'5", 7 looks like, That's especially when Hutchinson's going to be, like, 265 pounds. Like, it doesn't make any sense, so let's we'll just see, see about that one.
0: Yeah. We'll see. And when it if it does happen, and I'm kind of hoping it does, because it'd be bonkers to sit and be able to say that it actually did happen. But yeah. we'll have to see. Speaking of bonkers, though, Leo <laughs> Chanel, the Wisconsin linebacker man, Ryan. I, this is, was a home run pick here for who we have to be watching for. Just the man in general. I saw a a clip that somebody reshared from an old bench press? tweet. Yeah, the bench press. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Had, yeah. he hit like forty something on two twenty five. Yeah. which is. Wh- Am I correct in saying that Larry Allen hit 43 and he was supposed to be considered this this crazy strong offensive lineman? Wasn't it
1: 43? I think he might have done even more than that, but I don't know if they kept it official back then. But I think the record is 49, if I remember correctly. So either way, but 49 was by like a short arm defensive tackle or offensive lineman. So not a linebacker, (laughs) not a linebacker. I mean, I mean, Leo Chenal is almost as big as an offensive lineman. He's 260 pounds, but it's. So he's another guy that was on Feldman's Freak List to backtrack for a second, right? So he at 260 plus pounds, 6'2, 261 listed. He reportedly ran a four-second flats, I believe it was 20-yard shuttle, which is like blazing, nuts. dude. Like that's that's almost a defensive back time. Yeah. Like that's that's crazy. And he's another guy on film that's linear explosive. Like you could sell me on him running four six something at 260 pounds, which is pretty nuts, too. But then the bench press, like you said. This thing. So I talked to him what we had him on the show on on the podcast. And I remember I, I think I don't even think I talked to him about it on the podcast. I talked to him beforehand, but because I had seen that thing floated out there before. So that was when he was like a freshman in college, yeah. right? And like he did 40 <laughs> reps. And he's like, yeah, I don't really like max out like that anymore. He's like, but you know, I, I can put 40 plus pretty much anytime I want type of thing. I'm like, Jesus, dude, That's like this guy's disgusting. <laughs> he's going to set a record at the combine, I think, at the, at the 225 mark. And it's going to be like, because the kid, I mean, if you look at him, dude, he is, he, he doesn't skip, he doesn't skip a workout. Like he, he's that type of dude. So <laughs> he's going to test phenomenally. And I think that some people are going to start to, they're going to start to question maybe their ide- ideology on him a little bit. I think some people have kind of just slapped him with a, he's a big run-stopping middle linebacker that doesn't move really well, but then they're going to be like, oh, wait, oh, he, he can move a little better than we anticipated, and he can do 40-plus on the bench press. <laughs> so he's uh, he's a freak, man. He's a freak.
0: Do you think that he's going to come in at that 260 number, or I, I feel like they're probably going to try and get him lower so he runs it faster 40 time.
1: I'd say he run. – I'd say he comes in like 252, 253. Like I, I doubt he's 260 because it's impressive to see the athletic stuff that he can do at 260, but there's no reason as a true off-ball linebacker to yeah, be 260 pounds. Like you don't big. you don't know to be. And it's not a bad 260. Like he's just a giant like hulking dude. But like no reason to be that way. Like you, right. 250, 255, you're good to go.
0: I'm sure he's got a little body fat that they can his his combine prep can try to shred off a little bit. Uh last thing that you wanted to hit on here, Ryan, was the athletic testing separation between this this cornerback group. And I, I thought this was intriguing. I'm curious to see what direction you take this in, but it seems like we have a lot of different body types and frames in this corner group. And there's some really talented players, you know, from Derek Stingley to Sauce Gardner, and none of them are built similarly. So what was your thought on um, how different in the numbers that we could get here with these guys?
1: Well, the assumed top three from everybody I've heard right now is that it is Derek Stingley Jr. LSU, Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati, Ahmad Sauce Gardner, Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. Now I am an Andrew Booth Jr. cornerback one guy, but I think that the conversation up top is going to be can he, any of these guys separate themselves as athletes? Cause we're all, we're all three of those guys are going to be six foot plus. They're going to have long arms, 32 plus inch arms. And they, I, th- and so I think that the separator is going to be one. People think Stingley's going to run fast. Like they didn't state their like like four, three, Oh, fast. Right. So like, if he separates himself that way, that's awesome. But I also think that Andrew Boot jr. Has the chance to run four, three high and jump, you know, very high in the vert, very good in the broad. So I, I want to see who separates himself and who falls off a little bit. Because I think that this could be a, a thing where maybe Sauce Gardner doesn't test quite as well as maybe people think. Well, if he's a 4 5 0 guy, are you okay with that? If he's a 4 4 7 comparative to Derek Stingley running 4 3 2, are you scared off a little bit from the people that want to call him cornerback one? Then you move into guys like Roger McCreary from Auburn. We already know he's got short arms. What is he going to run? I think there's a lot of cornerbacks in this class that are going to separate themselves at the combine because I think right now there's not a ton of separation between a lot of these guys. Is Trent McDuffie that next guy off the board comparative to a Roger McCreary or a Darian Kendrick or a Martin Emerson or a Kyler Gordon? Like, What does the pecking order mean or what does the pecking order look like in this class and I think testing is going to be a lot because I think there's a lot of guys that are kind of clumped together. So I'm interested to in seeing how, how they test because I think it's really going to separate this class a little bit.
0: Yeah, tons of really, really talented corners in this class. And I think that that testing is probably going to be really important for helping some of these guys maybe push into the first round as, as we always see corners, the ones that are the freakish athletes are the ones that the teams fall in love with. All right, Ryan, I think that's going to be it from us on today's show. Thank you for tuning in, folks. We're going to be coming at you with more Combine conversations. We're actually, like, really freaking close to the Combine, so we're going to go full guns blazing when that does happen. But uh, be sure to hit subscribe on the YouTube channel or your audio feed so so you're up to date, and we will talk to you soon.